Hello, Sobertown. Let's jump on that sober train and ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. You can find all of our podcasts and more at SobertownPodcast.com. My name is Bill W. and my co-host and partner is Kira. Hi, everyone. This is the ninth episode of the Uncovering Happiness podcast. Our hope for this podcast is to share stories about uncovering happiness so that you might do the same in your life. Our guest today is Alara. She is the founder of Sync Recovery and a person in long-term recovery. Her life completely changed when she started her recovery journey. She became a good daughter, friend, and a happy soul. We're really excited to have Laura here today, but before we begin, we'd like to take a moment for mindfulness to transition from what we were doing before to the present moment and to remember the people we've lost to addiction or suicide, to send out compassion and hope to those who are touched by the suffering of mental illness and addiction and self-love for ourselves. So join with me for a few seconds of silence now. Thank you so much for sharing that moment with us. Hi, Laura. Hi, Kira. Hi, Bill. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you too. We've been wanting to chat with you for a while. Um, we want to jump. We want to jump right in with the first question for you. What does uncovering happiness mean to you? Uncovering happiness. Um, I think that happiness is a byproduct of some decision-making um, and how we, or how I, um, if we're, if I'm going to use the I term, cause I can't include everybody in that. Right. But um, uncovering um, happiness is being, being, feeling positive and energetic about the decisions that are made in my life. Yeah. So what, what type of decisions you know, do you, are you making that are, are contributing to your happiness in, you know, like the, what type of decisions that contribute to it and what type of decisions that keep you from uncovering that happiness or being happy? I think um, the decisions that are made, there's a lot of different decisions from the micro little um, personal decisions, like how I'm going to show up in the world um how i um uh if, am i contributing to the world today am i um making my soul happy today am i um from everything that i, I recently decided to take on a vegan lifestyle and while it doesn't make me happy not to eat ice cream, um, <laughs> it does make me happy that I'm helping the environment and that spiritually I'm I'm fulfilled by that lifestyle. And um, I make a decision to um, sometimes I'm happy. I'm super happy to be with friends and loved ones. And sometimes I'm super happy to be um, alone in my space um, and by myself. And so. I think that's a, a, a personal journey uh, that we all have and the decisions are based on where we are um, in a moment. 
Hmm. Yeah. I, I'd love to talk more about ice cream. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so first of all, congratulations on taking your, your steps into the vegan lifestyle. Uh, I know it can be very difficult. We, we both kind of, Kira and I, we, we do go down that road sometimes, but then we get back on the vegetarian path and you know it's kind of like an ebb and flow process for us mm-hmm. yeah we're back and forth a lot yeah I, I wonder what what is it about ice cream that you so crave and desire that <laughs> in in the vegan world you can't get the creaminess <laughs> um actually yeah I just I I think when I stopped using alcohol for my carbohydrates, ice cream became my thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it got to be a problem, actually. And I was feeling guilty about um, this sounds so maybe so petty, but um, I began feeling guilty about a lot of the decisions in my diet that I was making uh, because I was trying to fill that carb void. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, ice cream is, was my go-to. It was, it was something that I thought would make me happy. And in the end, it made me happy for a moment, but turns out I was feeling crappy about that decision. So, um, the good news is that I'm finding there are lots of good vegan ice creams out there. Yes, there are. (laughs) It's it's so hard to compare a vegan ice cream to a cow <laughs> ice cream. It's it's like you know it's saying an apple tastes better than an orange when they're different things. That's right. Yeah. And I I I have to remind myself that when I am comparing the two because that's where all the the pain and frustration. I think, think, though, if I go back to the reason, um, of course, you know, a healthy lifestyle includes nutrition, right? But, um, and if I would just went vegan for the pure fact of um, nutrition and taking care of my body, that's great. But then what really gets me is um, the treatment of our animals and I'm taking in that energy. Yeah. Right. Um, if I like it to being on an, in an airport and on an airplane and you're, we're crowded in and we're not fed very well. And we sort of, um, get horrified when somebody sneezes (laughs) next to us. And if our animals are living that way and in the constant stress, that's gotta be something that we're taking in. And, um, so that's my my spiritual reason. Um, I think you need to think about that. And then also the environment and what um, these farms are doing for to our planet. Um, but, so it, it goes beyond my selfish little satisfying ice cream cone. Um, and the happiness comes from a, a decision that's for the greater good. Absolutely. I can definitely relate. That's usually what 
goes through my mind and through my soul when I'm making a decision about what I'm going to consume or purchase um, or ingest. And you're inspiring me now again to ebb towards the vegan lifestyle once again, which, you know, it's sometimes I go for months eating vegan and not necessarily realizing it until, you know, you start to notice what is on the shopping list and in the cart and um, ice cream is definitely one of those <laughs> really challenging things to give up. Uh, there is a vegan ice cream place right near us and Bill loves their ice cream. I, I think it's okay, but it's, Bill loves it. Yeah. I found a good place in Lake Placid that had some vegan ice cream and uh, I was, I had to go back and make sure that they actually gave me vegan ice cream because it was so good. Yeah. I didn't know how they did it, uh, (laughs) but I had to double check with them (laughs) that they gave me the right stuff. (laughs) Yeah. sign of a good ice cream for sure. (laughs) I, I liked what you were saying about you know, kind of like the transference of energy um, when the cows are not treated correctly. And, you know, if they're unhappy, it could transfer to you as, you know, as the consumer of a product that they're making. And when we were traveling across the country on our bicycles, that's something that I really got to see firsthand. I, I became really connected with the landscape and Mm. what was happening to the landscape as we traveled 5,400 miles across the country. As we traveled across the country, I noticed that the farms were everywhere and they have their own beauty in them, but that, that beauty, it goes away pretty quickly when you realize that there's no trees, there's, there's a lot of stuff missing because we love to consume cow and the byproducts that they make. And, you know, that made me sad. It made me sad to see everything that was disappearing just because we needed to eat more ice cream, <laughs> drink more milk, and eat more cheese and ultimately eat the cow itself. Like, it's just, uh, it didn't make me happy to see that. And then you get to the some farms where there's just a bunch of unhappy, unhappy cows milling around and, you can tell they're not happy. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up about the unhappiness in the cows and how that can transfer to us. You're welcome. Or maybe I just ruined your, your steak tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Oh, no, no, it's, it's okay. I haven't had a steak in quite some time. Yeah, I think that the truth is that there is this saying, ignorance is bliss. And I have been, I felt that that was a controversial statement for quite a long time. And the truth is that if having this conversation makes someone uncomfortable, it's because there's something about it that's going against their real values, but yet something feels too uncomfortable to face the, mm. the truth, the truth of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm okay with being a little uncomfortable because it's helping me to be more authentic and live with integrity. If I, if I say that something matters to me and it is important to me, then I want my, 
decisions and my lifestyle to reflect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were just talking about values the other night, right? And when we, we go against our our values, it does get uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of um, God's way of saying, hey, 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 pay attention. <laughs> um, think about this. Uh, and if we're talking about happiness, it doesn't always um, make me happy to uh, let go of my comfort. But yeah. ultimately, I feel good. Ultimately. Yeah, that's right. And one of my biggest values, I think I named this when we were talking the other night, which was, is growth and learning. And as a therapist, I'm always preaching about growth and learning and that it's okay to feel challenged. And that is one of those um, values that's really hard to remember in my own life sometimes that when something is a challenge or a struggle that it's a growth opportunity, an opportunity for me to learn and to become better and to welcome it in a more accepting way and not to be so resistant. Mm -hmm. well, resistant turns into resilience, maybe. Um, I love the word resilience. Yeah. And as you all are hikers, um, I, it's uncomfortable to climb to the top of a mountain and rock scramble and um, all of that. And you, you think you see the peak and then it's not there. You have miles to go. Yet, yeah. right? um, but gosh, does it feel good to get to the top, right? Yeah. It feels really, really good. Um, maybe not as we're doing it, but um, in the end, again, um, and I think we can, if we keep practicing that, um, the uncomfortable part of our lives, um, we know that we can, we can persevere and, um, get through and it feels like happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just recently went on a hiking trip with Kira's family and we did the Virginia triple crown and her family, they, they are not hikers, you know, they're, they're beginners for sure. And it was really interesting watching that transformation for them. You know, they've never packed a backpack before, so they had no idea what to bring. And when we were with them, you know, we were saying, don't bring this, don't bring that, don't bring this, don't bring that, like, you're not going to need it. And it's, it's always interesting to see and to remember what it was like when you, I, like we stepped out of our comfort zone of living in a house to living out of a backpack and realizing what you need and what you don't need. And that, that comfort zone is so huge. Like our beds are comfy. We have air conditioning, we have heat, like we have everything we need to live comfortably. But when we move out into the the outdoors, you have to do everything for yourself. And watching that transformation in a beginner hiker is, is really, it's just amazing to see someone who's never walked nine miles in the woods before do that and watch them get so far out of their comfort zone that they break down and they, they cry and they're just 
out of breath and you can tell they're just so broken Spit. but mm -hmm. it's like it, yeah it's like it's not a bed broken it's just all those barriers are are breaking down and you're realizing like hey this is hard but this is great and then when they get to the top and they look out the view and you can just see the emotions on their face and in their body and how proud they are to be there and what they went through to get there it's it's an amazing journey and that that's so so cool to see that yeah yeah I it just gave me chills because it's it is it's super exciting to share that with other people that um don't have that experience and um the fact that they came away with it and they did it right mm -hmm. um it's it's super I know with um our organization we do a lot of um, outdoor experiences and there are people that are participating who have never taken a hike before. They've never walked through the woods um, and there is nothing better than to have them like when they start their journey and seeing that they have a <laughs> bad attitude and they're grumbling and um, just give them 10 minutes in the woods and their lights go on and there's a spring in their step and um, gratitude is just oozing from them. And it's, yeah, it's amazing what nature can do and teach us and um, our resilience and um, our connection with it. It's second to none. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. My mom was really struggling on one of our, last big ascents in our hike. And I mean, she has a shoulder injury, first of all, and was doing the best that she could with her pack, um, very heavy. And, you know, at one point she sort of stopped. Um, I was following behind her and, um, she sort of stopped and sort of slumped her head and she was out of breath. And, I think she might've mumbled something like, you know, I, I can't do this or something along those lines. Like, I'm just so tired. And mm -hmm. I reminded her, well, I, I kind of suggested to her to think of all the other challenges that she's overcome in her life and without naming them, you know, just like you've been through so much before and to, you know, call on that to bring her strength to continue. And, uh, I don't know what she thought of, but immediately, you know, her head popped up, her chest got nice and she just kept going and, you know, it wasn't easy, but I think with what sync recovery adventures is doing, I mean, any challenge that someone's going to face in the outdoors um, is usually not as hard as some of the life challenges that we have already overcome, whether that's um, finding sobriety or getting out of unhealthy relationships or repairing relationships that really matter or you know, other mental health issues. I mean, those are challenging things. And then when we start climbing a mountain, we get to draw on that strength from the other areas of our life, our lives to keep us going. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just looking for a quote that I found, but it was something like, um, 
you need resistance to create structure, um, something like that. And it just reminded me that, yeah, it's it, life's not always a, a rose garden, but it certainly um, gives us experiences to draw on for for the next challenges that we face, um, whether they're our own of our own personal making or by just the way the world operates. And um, um, one step at a time, one day at a time, we're we're making it through. And, and I love that um, <laughs> that visual of her putting up her head and her um, slinging her shoulders back. And yeah, I can do this. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, my mom is a very strong woman. Um, and it was, I have to admit, it was kind of nice to see her humbled by the mountain, <laughs> um, but also for her to get through it. You know, it's not that I just wanted to see her, um, you know, show some weakness, but ultimately um, it ended up revealing how strong she really is. So yeah, it was nice. It was just a, a lot of emotion. It's something she's going to draw on next time. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That, that quote that you shared or tried to remember resistance creates structure. That's, that's really cool. And when I think about that, I can easily relate it to hiking and, and also life, but hiking, it's real easy to relate. And I think about, you know, what causes resistance in hiking and it's, it's what you're carrying on your back. And you can use this analogy, I'm sure, in like in your life too. Like, you know, what do you carry around with you that you don't need? And it, it creates an extra weight in your backpack, especially, you know, the the three pairs of underwear, the six extra shirts that you have, <laughs> all that stuff is creating a lot of resistance for you as you hike every step of the way. And pretty soon you're, you figure out that, hey, I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need this. And all of a sudden you, you have this structure in place of like, what do I really need? What do I not need? And all of a sudden you don't really need anything anymore. You just have the bare essentials to get you where you need to be. And then the structure really helps you enjoy what's happening around you because you've taken all the excess out of your life and you're left with just what's necessary. Yeah, I think there's a certain faith in that where um, you have faith that you are just, you're going to get what you absolutely need. Um, so that might be some of the structure that um, you don't need all the extracurricular stuff, um, but we do need to have faith that we'll be taken care of. Um, through our, through our journey, um, no matter what tools we do or we don't have, that's um, cool. It yeah. is cool. I would like to move on to the next question. How's that sound? That sounds good. So the next question is, who are you now? Where are you on your journey to uncover happiness? Who am I now? Oh, I'm just a big wackadoo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like I, what you said in the intro, um, today I feel like I am um, 
a good daughter. I'm a good friend. I'm a, um, I am a person that um, I have come to trust. And that has been a journey in itself. My decision-making for the 30 years I was in active addiction was, um, it's been a journey to learn to trust myself and trust my intuition and trust my um, decision-making. And um, I am a person that can uh, rely on other people in my life to check my brain and check my intentions. Um, I am a person who is open to um, suggestions and open to experiences and I'm open to being uncomfortable at times. Um, I'm a mutt, I guess. Um, I, that's, that's who I am in a, in a nutshell. Um, I certainly have my ego to contend with and um, I try to balance that again with my, my life decisions. Um, where I am with all of that in my life journey, I would say um, I'm really grateful for all the experiences that I've had. Um, I don't know if I'm in the middle um, or which side of the middle I'm on, but I am in the middle. Um, I'd like to think that there's just more, more growth coming. So I can't say I'm at the end. Um, it can being open to growth and um, new experiences will will determine how much more growth I have to go before before I'm gone. And uh, I I'm looking forward to the journey. That's for sure. How much of who you are now has always been that way, and how much has changed throughout the journey? Um, ask me that again. So. When you were describing who you are now, I'm wondering, is, has that been a lifelong journey of becoming, or do you, do you believe that you've always sort of been that type of person or has it been a journey to get to where you are now? It's definitely been a journey to get where I am now. Um, I think I've always been an innately good human being. I've always had, um, good intentions. I think drugs and alcohol took me away from um, myself and didn't make, I didn't make good decisions. I didn't, they were selfish decisions. They were uh, survival decisions. They were um, decisions that I wouldn't make today. (laughs) Um, But the most confused I had was I had ever been was right before I got sober, I could not figure out um, how I could be a good person and still hurt people like I was hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, I've come to understand today that it wasn't me making the decisions, but it was my addiction. Um, And then uh, the journey to uncover the self that didn't use drugs and alcohol as a crutch um, has been extraordinary. Um, I'm very, very blessed to have um, a belief in a higher power. Um, I'm very, very blessed to have a tribe that um, has 
allowed me to uncover um, who I am today and who I'm not and um, encouraging me to keep the self-discovery bug going. And uh, yeah, I, does that does that answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times when we have discussed this idea of uncovering happiness with people, um, for those who are in recovery, there's, there's either like one or two different stories. One is I never really knew myself. I never really had happiness and I found, um, substances of, of some type addiction. And now in recovery, I'm trying to find myself and find those things for the first time, discover myself for the first time. And then the other story is, you know, somehow I got lost. Like I, I had a happy childhood. I knew who I was as, as an adolescent, I had goals, I had dreams. I, I knew my values and, you know, where I was going, but then addiction found me or something captured me. And now in recovery, I'm trying to go back and find that again. And, you know, for, for me personally, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I look back on my young years, like the beginning of my life, and I had tons of dreams. I really did love myself. Uh, I was happy. I felt pure joy and then stumbled into addiction. And then in recovery, it was a combination of recovering what I had before, but also discovering all new parts of me too. And I think, you know, the, the life, like the, the timeline, the trajectory that most addicts experience is that because nobody is really an addict in childhood, you know, like, you, you, you most of the time have a pretty normal childhood. And then somewhere, I mean, some people fall into addiction in adolescence, some people in early adulthood. Um, and then you, you know, like there's a curve and then you get sober. So because like, it's the middle of the life that is the part that, you know, might be tainted by addiction. Um, there's, there's so much lost, I think mm. in, in terms of like the progression of self-discovery. So I think a lot of people are not only trying to recover what they had before addiction took over their life, but also to find themselves anew and find new ways of being happy and joyful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can, um, relate to that. I had a happy childhood. I, I will say that I think my, my first drug of choice was attention. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and when I got into um, using drugs and alcohol, that's exactly what I was seeking, I think was um, attention. And, um, but it, it uh, allowed me to be uh more free and more open than my shy self. Um, and it's interesting now um, that I have had some time under my belt discovering uh, that I am an older person. <laughs> I still feel like a kid at times and I'm, I am shy. Um, but what's interesting is I don't need 
attention like I did when I was a kid and when I when I first um, dabbled with drugs and alcohol because it, it turned on me. That really turned on me. And uh, I like I like um, yeah. I appreciate the journey that I've had and some self discovery stuff and knowing that I don't have to be the the center of attention um, that I felt like I needed to be when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I think I know why I've been through enough therapy <laughs> to understand why I thought I needed to be the um, uh, center of attention. And it was more of a, yeah, a survival tactic. Um, my family was wonderful, um, but there were some things there that were dysfunctional and I needed to make me the center and not without getting um, therapeutic it's um for protection i needed to be the center of attention yeah gotcha so could you tell us more about the sync recovery community how it came about and how it's helped and what it's done to shape your life Ah, um, sync recovery is one of my favorite topics. Uh, It started uh, when I met a group of people who came back from a rally in Washington, D.C. called Unite to Face Addiction. And it was um, a rally to break the stigma of addiction and a music festival And uh, the message that they got when they were down there was to take their concept and bring it back to their own community. And so um, we started planning a recovery music festival for um, the Lehigh Valley area in Pennsylvania here. And um, we had a great turnout we had about 600 people who came out with all sorts of resources and music and speakers and um when we took some surveys of satisfaction for the day um what was abundantly clear was that people really appreciated the connection of like-minded people and um people in recovery and um, it felt good to be together in public space. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing other events, like we had a basketball tournament and we went kayaking and we did some other um, social type events throughout the year. And we continued to do the rally and the rally grew a little bit more. And then um we started doing things more regularly. And then um, we had another rally. It turned out 4,000 people in 2019. And again, um, the connection of, of people in recovery is second to none. I mean, there's really something special that happens when we get together and you can feel it in the air. Um, so we've been fortunate enough to have been um, a contract contract through Northampton County to um, create this program. We call it action-based peer support. And what we're doing is different activities um, along with a recovery meeting that are based in four core components. Um, 
social connectedness, health and wellness, spiritual principles and service opportunities. And um, it just has seemed to have a magnetic effect on our community. People um, are really digging it. Uh, I think it's cool that we're out in the community. Um, 12 step, the 12 step community saved my life. I have nothing but good things to say about it. Um, but I think it goes beyond um, a room and a circle of chairs. And I know it was really important for me to discover what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, I had a therapist ask me in rehab what I was going to do when I got out of treatment uh, for fun. And I had no idea how to answer that question. She actually had to walk me around the campus until I came up with some things because I had no idea how to have fun without drugs and alcohol. Um, and so um, I think what we're doing is helping people discover um, a passion. Um, we're helping people get connected with people that they wouldn't normally connect with. Um, I think that we're um, providing people with uh, service opportunities to help them feel purposeful. Um, and I think that's another big deal. At least for me, it was a big deal in my recovery to um, feel like I had a purpose. Um, when I was down and out in my before I got sober, I, I was suicidal. I didn't know what life, I didn't see the benefit of life, um, if that makes any sense. I didn't know why I was here. I, I felt like a waste. And um, so to finding purpose, that's what Sync Recovery has done for me. And uh, I hope that we can share that with other people, other recovering people. Nice. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So what was the, what was the thing you found to do after your treatment center? What was that first thing that you could do without drugs or alcohol? For fun. For fun. It was hiking. Yeah. Yeah. Hiking and yoga. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I've got a question for you. This is um, your bonus question. <laughs> okay. Who was your favorite teacher and why? Ah, okay. My favorite teacher was Mrs. Emig. She was uh, the English teacher, my English teacher in 10th grade. And the reason she was my favorite teacher is because she connected with me one-on-one. Um, -on -one. She was interested in um, what I thought about and um, how I expressed myself in my writing and things like that. Yep, that was my favorite teacher. Mrs. Emig? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite teacher was also an English teacher in 10th grade. How about that? Yeah, cool. yeah it was, uh, I don't know, I didn't really like any other English classes, but something about Mrs. Crow, she was awesome. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Teachers cool. deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, they do. They do. Well, yeah. <laughs> I had one teacher that wasn't so hot, but <laughs> one out of many is not not a bad track record. <laughs> yeah. And my hope is that there's a, a teacher for every student. 
um, like, I guess what I mean is that those teachers that I felt didn't really reach me or weren't super helpful to me, um, I hope that maybe they were the right type of teacher for someone else. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, there are just some people out there who they're just so generous with their time and their interests and young people really need that sometimes, um, you know, just to have a voice and to know that they're being cared for, you know, by, by someone other than their family and who's supposed to care for them. Yeah, for sure. And that's what she did. She, she was interested in, in how I thought, and she didn't tell me how to think she was interested in she pointed me in a direction, but didn't tell me what to see, as they yeah. say. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. yeah, I can I can think back at my life and the like we were talking about values, and there are different values that I have gotten from different people throughout my life. Like sure, they've they've been born from something, you know, I think intrinsic within me, but they were molded or maybe enhanced <clears throat> by different people in my life. And, um, you know, one, for example, going way back to fourth grade, I had a, my homeroom teacher, Mr. Hart. He was the most creative teacher that I've ever had. And um, everything was experiential. Everything was immersive we were always um, transforming the classroom based on the theme that we were learning. And it, it was so engaging and exciting. And I remember every day walking into the classroom, not knowing what surprise was going to be there. Like, were all the desks going to be transformed into ships to learn about <laughs> the, um, you know, sea explorers and discoverers or, you know, a murder scene that we had to like solve this mystery. And the whole center of the classroom was like caution taped off. I'll never forget that. And it inspired in me to be creative in my own way. Now, I'm not necessarily a teacher, but I do a lot of teaching in my career, in my professional life. And I have always found that there's a little bit of Mr. Hart, like Aww. helping me like to be <laughs> different and surprising and exciting just to, you know, capture people's attention. So yeah, that makes total sense for your love for, um, experiential workshops right in your coaching yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah cool. oh cool I love talking about teachers <laughs> is that why you became a coach uh yeah I think so I mean I've always been on every um career test or you know like quiz that you could ever take I was always like split between counselor and teacher or therapist and teacher and I've found that my different career choices over the years have always involved one or the other mentor, coach, trainer, uh, you know, always somewhere in there because I love to teach, but I also love to be supportive and, you know, client centered. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I've never taken a career test. I wonder really? what I would say. <laughs> I took a lot oh, of them. <laughs> Uh, 
All right. So, I never thought we'd end up, I'd end up here. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's right where you're meant to be. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. You. So I have a quote and um, I'm going to re read the quote and then whatever your initial reactions, thoughts, or feelings are, um, you know, we'd love to hear it. So this is a quote by Tom Baudet. They say a person needs just three things to be truly happy in this world, someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to agree with Tom, Tom, right? Um, someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Yes, um, it's... Um, it's exciting to me that that's, if we could break happiness down, I always think of happiness as kind of a, a byproduct of, of uh, what we're doing. Um, but to hear it that simply um, brings a lot of joy. And I think that um, I'm happy that I'm on the right track because I've got lots of people to love and lots to do that I love. and. Um, always hoping I, i'm a big pipe dreamer and uh who knew when i put down the pipe i would get some of my dreams to come true <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's fun that's fun <laughs> awesome well laura you made it to the end all right we thank you very much for your time it was a pleasure chatting with you today Thank you. You too. I couldn't. Yeah, you guys are great. I, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, living down here in Florida is uh, it's kind of far from Pennsylvania, as we know, when we drive our car back and forth <laughs> fairly often. So well, consider yourselves energetically hugged. Aww. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So once again, thank you, Laura. Uh, we also want to thank our listeners. And we do have a worksheet to help you uncover your happiness. It is a free resource that we made for you, and it will lead you to find out who you are now, who you want to be, and how you are going to get there. And there will be a link to the worksheet below. Also, let us know if you're ever interested in being on the podcast. We'd love to chat with you. So thank you all. Have a wonderful day. Peace and love.